Welcome to Community Pulse from Environmental Design Group, highlighting the transformations happening in our communities and celebrating the leaders making them happen. Tammy Naguki, her EDG co-host, and their special guest reveal insights that are driving our communities forward, right now on Community Pulse. Welcome everyone to the EDG Community Pulse podcast. My name is Tammy Naguki from Environmental Design Group. I am joined today by my co-hosts, uh, Jason Sanson, also with Environmental Design Group, and Greg Davies, Vice President, Planning and Development with the Columbus Partnership. Uh, welcome both of you. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tammy. All right. I'm going to uh, just introduce Greg a little bit here before we dive into some of this uh, interesting conversation we are about to have. Hold still. Uh, Greg Davies has over 20 years of experience working for the city of Columbus, where he served as chief of staff for Mayor Andrew Ginther and held multiple roles for Mayor Michael Coleman, including director of public utilities department, deputy director of the development department, and deputy chief of staff in his time at the city, Greg demonstrated strength in project management and organizational leadership, resulting in operating savings and direct programming to the Columbus residents and customers. His experience has resulted in an extensive network of relationships with senior executives, elected officials, community leaders, and the nonprofit and academic communities throughout the Columbus region. As chief of staff, Greg built Mayor Ginther's first cabinet and staff after he was elected in 2015. Greg was instrumental in the city's successful bid to be America's smart city and in tandem with the Columbus Partnership helped create Smart Columbus. Greg also served as a point person for numerous projects, including the ongoing redevelopment of the Scioto Peninsula, the Save the Crew effort, and the development of the new downtown Hilton expansion. As director of public utilities, Greg was responsible for providing water and sewer services to 1.1 million people in central Ohio. The department has over 1,200 employees and an annual budget in excess of $600 million. In his role at the development department, Greg oversaw the city's housing program and created Home Again, a $25 million program designed to rehabilitate vacant and abandoned properties across the city. The program was the initial investment for the ongoing redevelopment of Franklinton. Greg lives in Upper Arlington with his wife, Liz, and has two children, Steph and Anna, and three stepchildren, Ellie, Maddie, and Lottie. Welcome, Greg, to Community Pulse Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Greg, it's it's great to have you here, and I'm excited just to have you on as my first guest to Community Pulse. Um, I've known Greg for seven years, but we've experienced so much um, professionally and personally that I feel like I've known him forever. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I'm thrilled to have Greg on today with us is that he's a passionate leader and he cares about the ones that he leads. And one of the things I find most impressive about him is that he can relate to pretty much anybody. And, you know, I've got a few examples running through my head as, you know, as how he can relate to those folks. So, um, Greg, great to have you here, and um, appreciate you taking time out of your day. Absolutely, Jason. Thank you for, for the kind words, and for, for everybody that doesn't know Jason, Jason and I were colleagues, and he was one of my uh, favorite employees. We did quite a bit together and then became friends later and still continue to be friends to this day, so very happy to be a part of it with you. Always good to have a friend on the show. Um, I, you know, Reading through your bio, Greg, I'm impressed. I mean, your career path is obviously very interesting and lengthy. Um, <laughs> share with our audience, if you will, where you started and how you got to where you are today. 
Sure. So I started my professional career actually as a journalist and uh, worked for Columbus Monthly Magazine and the other paper here in Columbus and covered politics and school boards and really thought I would want to do uh, that type of community service. I felt that, that making sure that the people that were in charge were, were doing what they were doing. But after a while, uh, became clear to me that journalism was, was not going to be what it was when I got into it. And I eventually moved into public relations and was hired by former uh, Columbus Utilities Director John Dowd in 1999 and started as a spokesperson. So I had no no thought of ever being director or working for a mayor. I just, you know, I had uh, just started a family and was, was interested in it. But once I met Mayor Coleman and his team, I became very interested in the politics and uh, the policy and uh, they needed a person in utilities. And I made myself available and useful and just tried to do as much as I could to help that administration out and is looking back, I certainly was very fortunate to hook up with Mayor Coleman because he's the longest serving mayor and allowed me to have many different roles culminating in being his utilities director for four years. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of a long-winded way to say how I got to where I was, but really just working hard, making relationships and and making myself useful is, is the best way I could describe it. Sounds like something you stumbled into. Uh, yeah, I, I used to joke, uh, you know, I'm not an engineer, so I think I was the first non-engineer, non-lawyer to head the utilities department. There was a lot of questions about me, and Jason probably had some since he didn't know me at that point. And uh, that was, you know, for me, it was a little difficult, but I used to refer to myself as the accidental director when <laughs> I first started. And that kind of was a good icebreaker for folks who were a little leery of me. I sometimes feel like the best paths in life are those that happen accidentally. So good yeah. for you. So it, it's funny, though, when when you mentioned coming into director of public utilities, the very first time I met Greg, the deputy director introduced me to Greg, and Greg looks at me and says, I've heard of you. So I didn't know how to take that, <laughs> whether if that was a good thing or a bad thing. But um, as as you can tell, things went fairly well and I was able to uh, earn Greg's trust and and be able to hopefully perform well for him as he was as the director of public utilities there. For sure. Jason was at the time, he was kind of my liaison to the private development world. So, uh, you know, working directly for a mayor and the cabinet, you know, what was really important to the mayor obviously was good, good government and making sure that water and sewer was delivered, but was also relationships with, with engineering firms like yourself and others and and developers and the folks who actually made the city go. And Jason was uh, had that rare talent of being able to understand the technical aspects of being an engineer, but also the, you know, for lack of a better term, a bedside manner with developers and folks who can be pretty difficult, but pretty, you know, pretty sure that they're always right. So I immediately <laughs> uh, saw a little bit of myself and Jason, and we, we, were, we were a good team. So you mentioned, Greg, that when you started at the city, you, you started in public utilities um, and you were, in a sense, the spokesperson. But then you started to become interested in the policies and, and the politics. So thinking back, who was your influence uh, for your career in public service? Yeah, for me, the transition from journalist where you're very, um, gosh, I don't know, skeptical of people in power um, and then actually working directly for Mayor Coleman and uh, had an opportunity to go to some community meetings with him where there weren't a lot of people, there weren't any, there wasn't any media 
And he just really cared about citizens and a lot of uh, folks who didn't share in the success that Columbus was seeing for, you know, I think I would argue when he became mayor, Columbus was still kind of a small town and through his leadership, it just grew. And, and it was really interesting to me that he, he didn't just work with the business community or the media or anything like that. He went, he went out with the people and, and we did a lot of projects in areas that hadn't seen public investment in a long time. And I just really believed in him and I wanted to begin to volunteer for him. So I did a lot of work on weekends and campaigns and make sure that his initiatives were getting done. And uh, just doing that led me to meet a lot of his staff and they just found places for me uh, moving forward. But he certainly was the first person that that I realized that you could really make a big difference working for government. Do you ever drive around Columbus now that you've you know, been through the experience of building Columbus and just look around and say, wow, I remember what it was like 20, 25 years ago and just knowing what, what the experience is. For sure. And it's one of those things when you're in it. Um, yeah, I remember talking to Mayor Coleman and, and I just, he said, Greg, this is going to be really hard when he, you know, he asked me to be deputy chief of staff and then director. He said, but you know, you'll, you'll make a difference. You might not know it, but you'll look back and, to your point and, there's so many, I mean, people don't realize, and, you know, the Blue Jackets didn't start playing until 2000. And, uh, you know, I can remember the arena district being built. I can remember the Hilton Hotel that I worked on getting built. Um, just so many things. And it continues downtown today. There was, there was nobody living or working, you know, people worked downtown, but after five o'clock, there was nobody downtown in the year 2000. And he really, he made it a priority. He, he, he put money behind it. And now, I, unfortunately, the pandemic hit, but I think we'll get right back to where we were. We're redeveloping the Scioto Peninsula behind Kosai, and just so much stuff's come forward. And if you didn't grow up in Columbus, I don't think you'd have a full appreciation of what a what a great job the mayor did. As someone who did not grow up in Columbus, but in uh, you know northern part of Ohio, I can still appreciate uh, what you've done down there. Especially, um, you know, it's close to my heart is the Save the Crew campaign. Um, yeah. As a mom of uh, three soccer players, I, I've had two that have played in that stadium and hope to um, hope to see more of that down there. So I'm really excited for the new stadium development that you're working on down there as well. Yeah, it's very exciting. That's pretty cool. You know, one of the things, it was funny when, when you were reading through the bio and you mentioned that Greg was responsible for providing water and sewage services to 1.1 million folks or people throughout Central Ohio what went through my head was that yes he is the he was the leader um he was the director of public utilities that was responsible for that but he would be the first person that would step out and say it's these folks behind me that uh are the ones that are responsible for doing that you know and making that happen and that's another reason why I was so excited to have have you on today, Greg, is just your leadership style and, um, you know, quite honestly, what I've learned from you as a leader and how I've applied some of those things. But in thinking about your time at Public Utilities, you know, what what do you recall as your biggest challenge and what do you recall as your biggest success uh, as Public Utilities Director? I was thinking about that and, and uh, you know, thought of a lot of great projects that we worked on and you know, a lot of things that were, were challenging. I think the, you know, the hardest thing was just getting the trust of, 
of all the employees, I had to, a head start because I had worked for Director Doubt for five years. So I did know a lot of people and had some relationships, but I had been gone for, for a number of years when I came back and clearly in a different role. But, um, you know, convincing people that I wasn't a political appointee who was interested in just myself or the mayor, that I actually uh, did value hard work and I shared successes with the employees. I think that went a long way to allowing me to, you know, to learn. And, and I made a point of going to meet every single work group, every single person that I could in the plants and, you know, out in the field and just, just let them know, Hey, when, you know, when I need you, I need you. And when you need me, you know, I'll be here for you. And I think over time that really worked well, but in terms of challenges, I think, I don't know if you recall this because it wasn't in your area, but we also had a division of power. And at the time that I took it over, we were actively uh, shopping it around to try to get AEP or somebody else to buy it because it was just so shaky financially. And after a year of working really hard with, with that staff, we were able to uh, lock down basically a decade of predictable, affordable power, which uh, allowed the division to continue. And that's really important because the whole reason the division exists is to use the revenue from the sale of power for streetlights. So everybody in the city of Columbus benefits from not having to pay for streetlights. Most mm-hmm. cities of our size, you would have a tax or a fee uh, on your bill and, and you would pay for that and share that cost. But just 13,000 customers uh, allowed us to pay that bill every year so that the general fund could spend it on other things. So I was very proud of that. In terms of challenges, uh, you are intimately familiar with the two projects that, that I I look at it as challenges and successes, but I came in midstream on the, the Oars Tunnel, and we had a $29 million uh, overrun <laughs> that I had to go to city council and explain why, even though you know it wasn't necessarily my project, that, but I was in charge, and that was my responsibility to accept. Mm. Um, you know the ramifications of that, and more importantly, we we, we were able to convince the public and the uh, city council through working very hard with the contractor and, and engineering firms that, you know, really was unavoidable. And it was crazy as that sounds when someone hears $29 million, but <laughs> you're digging 20 stories underground. There's just things you're going to find that you're not going to find just sending a few boards down in the, in the ground. So that was really challenging. Um, I think it's been an operation now for some time and successful. And then our blueprint Columbus effort, uh, you know, was a response to the, the consent decree we were in, and it was just a very, in my opinion, head of its time uh, idea, and I certainly cannot take credit for it. It was a lot of really bright people in the Division of Sewers and Drains that came up with that idea to treat stormwater uh, naturally and to use natural features and stop putting things in pipes underground, and uh, it's still going on. I know there's been, you know, conversations about whether it was the right thing to do or wrong thing to do, but I think 50 years from now, it won't even be a conversation. It'll Everybody will do it the way that we innovated, and I'm very proud of that as well. Yeah, there's there's a lot of memories that bounce back into my head when you're talking through that, especially <laughs> especially the uh, $29 million overrun. I just remember being <laughs> uh, in the library at, at Public Utilities almost yeah. weekly with the with the contractor, the construction manager, and uh, figuring out ways to to conserve or readjust money to make sure that we were able to to continue on with that project. And 
uh, and sustain that that overrun. So uh, a lot of memories there. That taught me a very valuable lesson in managing people, and that was, you know, I used to joke that everybody wanted to be director until it was time to be director. And when you're sitting in front of city council <laughs> asking for $29 million, there wasn't a lot of hands going up in the air to take my place. So, you know, I felt like I really, <laughs> I really uh, solidified my role during that process. There's a lot that goes on um, in your role, I assume, as, as deputy chief of staff and as chief of staff for the for a city like the size of Columbus. Um, and you've already talked a little bit about your leadership style, and Jason has too. Um, I'm just curious, what does that day in the life look like for you? And you know, what are some of those things? I, I imagine there's a lot of stress involved, and um, yeah, a lot of role playing. Yeah, that was without a doubt that was the best job I think I'll ever have in my life. But it was also one that I was very glad to be relieved of <laughs> when I left. <laughs> um, it was—it's a cliche, but you know, there is no one day in that role. It was you would have a calendar and you'd make plans and you had meetings on your schedule, but anything could happen where everything got turned upside down and you were scrambling. And for whatever reason, I've always, um, I don't know if thrives the word, but I've always felt comfortable in chaos, even though it's uncomfortable to be in a chaotic situation for whatever reason, I can slow myself down and see things that maybe people are too flustered to see or, or, or do. And yeah. I think the, the biggest thing that I had is I just kept moving forward. If if I really sat and thought about what was going on or what I was responsible for, you'd quickly become overwhelmed and, and paralyzed. And, and it's just not an option in that role. So it was just being flexible, handing crisis. I always said my job was to keep the mayor informed, but not necessarily involved. Mm-hmm. And so knowing what was important enough for him to actually hear uh, was really important in we, you know, I viewed the mayor as, you know, that's by far more stressful than being chief of staff in terms of the, the responsibility. But in terms of the work and the, the just the daily stress, you know, I think the chief of staff and directors are under a lot because we, you know, we, we have a saying that everything good happens is the mayor and everything bad happens is you. So, <laughs> you know, it was important to, to really focus at a very high level and, uh, I've always had a really good eye for good people, and um, it was really important to me to get people, and it wasn't always necessarily the person you'd think on the paper with the resume, certainly I'm a testament Mm -hmm. to that, but it was people that were loyal, it was people that worked hard, and, you know, when I got those folks around me and they saw what I was willing to put in, and they did, we just, you know, made it a lot easier. I could be very open and candid and honest and, and receive that back, but... I could have never done any of the jobs I had without, you know, the hundreds of people that that really did the work. That's fascinating. I, I know we talk a lot about, uh, you know, growing. Our company is, in itself is trying, you know, pushing pushing the envelope, trying to grow every every year on upon the last. And, you know, and you're talking about a city the size of Columbus, and you're still the one of the fastest growing cities in the country. I imagine that, you know, the changes that go along with that are, are difficult to manage. And um, and I, I wouldn't mind if you don't mind me asking a question that we, you know, sure. necessarily prepared for. <laughs> you know, you talk about sure. change management. You know, what are some of those tricks that you use um, to inspire your staff to move them into something that they're unfamiliar with? Well, I tried to explain at first. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, there was always people that weren't going to 
weren't going to work with me. And there were always people that were going to do just what they needed to do to survive. And there were always people who were going to say, that's not how we've done it historically. And that's a challenge. It really is. And so what I would do is use the people that were with me. And I was never punitive until you really, you really forced me to. I like to say that I never fired anybody. I was just the last step in somebody firing themselves. Mm. And at the city, it was very difficult to get on my bad side. But, you know, once you did, I would work around you or I would find other people. But for the most part, I would just try to find peers and I would be able to explain to them, to someone like Jason, why it was important to me, even though it might seem political or it might seem like not the right thing. I would try to show what it was like to be the mayor, show what it was like to be a city council member, show what it was like to be me, show what it was like to be a developer. And I think a lot of times in utilities, we would have staff who, who I wouldn't say they didn't like developers, but they just weren't concerned whether they made money or not. They viewed them as very successful and they could, you know, they were just there to make money. And I tried to explain that some cases that's true, just like in some cases, people think government workers don't do anything but show up and go to lunch. And you don't like to be told that about you. So, you know, open your mind listen and then you know if you see the whole picture you can see that developers provide jobs they provide growth they provide a lot of things that the city needs and then we stopped we'd still be a small town known for its football team you know and that's (laughs) not what the leaders wanted to do so it was really just trying to help people see a what was possible but b their role in it and it wasn't to force them to do it it was to get them to buy into it and say you know what i am proud to be in columbus I am proud to work for you. I am proud to have these people as my colleagues. Now and then, you know, at the end of the day, when you couldn't get anybody on board, then then I would have to be a little more stern. But I think I tried to balance that with always being kind first and then more forceful as it went on. But I would just try to get Jason to tell people I was struggling with, hey, Craig's a good guy. Why don't you hear him out? You know, things like that. Is that fair, Jason? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and I did that often, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about your time at the city and so forth. And uh, over the last couple of years, you started a new position at the Columbus Partnership, uh, which is a, a major economic influence for the city and the region. Um, and actually, I was getting ready this morning and I saw a commercial regarding Columbus's growth and, you know, and the momentum that's, that's carrying us forward. And I was just curious to know, you know, as difficult as 2020 was, you know, how did the partnership in the region manage to carry through 2020 and create $1.7 billion in new investments and over $190 million in new payroll? Yeah, that's a great question. I think part of it is, Columbus, before the pandemic hit, unlike a lot of cities, in particular, some larger cities in Ohio, was on the upswing already. So it was, um, I believe, you know, we were, we were because of the growth that the city's done and its utilities and not being boxed in like a Cleveland or Cincinnati and not relying upon one industry. I think we have a very diverse economy. You have private industry, you have government is housed here, you have a lot of universities. So logistics. So it's not, you're not relying upon one thing. And if that one thing's gone, the the economy crumbles. So I think having that diverse portfolio helps. I think the fact that 
And and just so everybody knows, uh, the Columbus Partnership also houses One Columbus, which is our economic development arm, and that's a regional uh, organization. So they work with 11 counties. And so I think just the fact that, that we collaborate so well here in Columbus, it's just a different kind of model. Um, they call it, at the partnership, it's called the Columbus Way, and there's actually a, a class that's taught at Harvard about the fact that business leaders and government leaders of all parties, of all businesses, you know, set aside their personal agendas when they join the partnership to do the collective betterment of the of the whole. And so I think that is different than a lot of big cities that have always run based on families or, you know, one industry over another. And I, I just think the Midwestern values also, but it's very affordable still to live in Columbus. You know, it's a very friendly place. It used to be we had what they called a brain drain. Everybody, you know, I went to Ohio State. I'm one of the few people that was born in Columbus when I first came up in 2000 that worked here. And now I think a lot of people are coming here and staying here because they see the short north, downtown, jobs are here. You know, you've got companies like Root that are that are new, that are that are different. And I just think I just think Columbus is dynamic. And while that's our greatest trait coming out of the pandemic, I think the biggest challenge will be continuing that. And unlike other cities like a, a Seattle that became so popular so quick with, with Microsoft and others where people just flooded the area and then you had a lot of social issues and things that they're still trying to deal with or Austin with their traffic and their housing costs, I think Columbus is right at that tipping point where as a community, we have to figure out how do we prepare for that growth and, you know, where are people going to live? Uh, affordable housing is a huge issue moving forward. And then where are we going to get the workforce? And I think, I think we're positioned nicely for both, but if we don't do it right, another 30, 40 years, you know, we'll be the, the communities that are now losing population. Yeah. Um, can you give us a, an overview what the Columbus partnership is like, what consists of the Columbus yeah. partnership? So the, the Columbus Partnership itself is an organization that's the uh, top 70 to 80 companies in the region. Their CEOs are the members. So they meet and we work with them to determine, you know, what are their business needs. We work with local governments and, and really, like Save the Crew, that was a big effort of the partnership. Or the One Columbus was created after the economic downturn of 2008-2009 to get jobs back to get the economy going. And then uh, when Mayor Ginther came in, we were named the Smart uh, Smart City. We were the Smart City Challenge winner out of like, I think it was 75 communities, Columbus won. And that was over, you know, the finalists were cities like San Francisco, Denver, Kansas City, and Columbus won. And so the partnership stepped up and said, we will, we will match the dollars that you're getting from the federal government and they way overmatch that. And so they work on electrification, they work on um, you know transportation issues. And so the Columbus Partnership has really set up three distinct models to help the community and it's based upon you know what's best for the region. So it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint one thing they do, but really it's just a it's kind of a gathering place of all the great minds in the the community that want to work together and make sure that, that the city and the region continue to prosper and stay strong. Awesome. 
and I worked with them quite a bit, you know, at the city. So I had the really good fortune of, of Alex Fisher as our president and CEO, and he's just a very dynamic leader and, and probably more than any one individual other than Mayor Ginter was responsible for, for the crew staying in Columbus. We're all excited about that. Bring back soccer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Um, I, I just curious what it, what is what's on the other side of this pandemic for City of Columbus. What are some of those things that you're looking forward to? Um, not only economically related to economic development, but um, just in general. You know, what are some of those pet projects that can maybe got put on hold that you're excited to see come back to life after the pandemic? The good news is two projects that didn't get put on hold that I've been able to consistently work through are. Uh, the Sayota Peninsula, which is a, um, it's a mixed development with a hotel and office and, and uh, residential that's behind Kosai. And if you drive downtown, you'll see cranes and lots of, lots of steel going up. So it's very exciting and I think speaks to the strength of Columbus that a project of that, that size is still moving forward. And then if you've been up uh, near the university, you've seen West Campus is being completely and fundamentally redeveloped um, for a lot of research and and, and just a whole host of things that the university is doing. So those two things have continued through that. But coming out of it, I think one of the the charges that I have, and I'm in the process of working with city leadership right now to form a, a downtown recovery group, because, you know, if you've come downtown lately, you'll see that there's just not a lot of people here because mm-hmm. there's no employees here. So businesses are struggling. The arts are struggling. We don't have visitors. So, you know, how do we get people now that the vaccine is getting rolled out and short term, like immediate. And then in the summer, really ramping up our efforts to get folks to come down through some campaign and dollars. And, and, uh, and then hopefully by Labor Day, you know, we're back in full swing with concerts and events and, and, and everybody that works at the nationwides and the APs and the state and the city filling these buildings again and eating and drinking coffee and really making this downtown what it was is so much investment was put in here in the last 20 years. And it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's discouraging, I guess, to come downtown now and just not feel the energy that, that yeah. people work so hard to, to create. So that'll be a, another key focus. And even though we are regional and uh, I think everybody who understands uh, how communities work, know that you're going to need a strong downtown and a business center to, for the Upper Arlingtons and the New Albany's and the Dublin's to, to stay strong as well. So uh, hopefully we can we can get that going, and I think we will. I think we're all looking forward to those days again. Yeah. Definitely. Um, one of the questions I want to ask you, Greg, as the leader of public utilities at the time and as the leader of our softball uh, team, <laughs> Do you really think that we could have taken the uh, police baseball or softball team after you provoked them at shaking hands? Uh, I doubt it. Uh, they they had guns, and so I, I was unwise to let my temper get the better of me, I think. But uh, those were good times, Jason. I forgot all about that. You, you know, know, somebody gave me a picture. I think it was Danella of our team, and I have it at home because I, when I switched offices, I packed some stuff away. But now I have to dig that out. Those are, yeah. And that was another great way to lead, right? I mean, we played, you know, I never played with a director, or a chief of staff when I was, a, a, you know, at a beginning of my career. And I, I think when people see that you're, you know, you want to have fun and you want to be part of a team, it sounds silly, but I think it does 
it does trickle down, even though there's only 15 people playing, they tell their colleagues and they tell their colleagues and they see pictures of us in newsletters. And I think we just had a real nice, uh, you know, we had a Christmas party every year. We just, we, we really tried to, tried to make people feel, you know, good about coming to work. Yeah. Yeah, no, and and again, that's one of my fondest memories is is the softball. But uh, Tammy, <laughs> just to give you a little bit of background, so we we weren't we weren't like the greatest, right? But we we held our own. We had good talent and so forth, and we somehow managed to get to say like the quarterfinals of <laughs> of the league. A and, lot of beer. The bad news bears yeah. strikes again. And so we go up against the police division, uh, division of police, and and they beat us. Uh, you know, only by a few runs, quite honestly. I think they were looking to come yeah. in and, and whip whip us. And so yeah. we're going through shaking hands and, and <laughs> Greg kind of, you know, <laughs> pokes the bear a little bit and we're like, whoa, come on, Greg, let's, let's back up here. <laughs> then we go, uh, we go across the street to the restaurant <laughs> bar. And uh, next thing you know, Greg's rubbing elbows with these guys. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he just knows how to, he knows how to take a, a weird situation and make everybody feel comfortable. And, you know, whether it's a, you know, you're having a good time or if it's a professional time where it becomes tense or intense, uh, he always seemed to figure out how to keep everybody just level headed. And that's what I really like about him. As I recall, my frustration was, and Tammy, you can appreciate this. It was a co-ed league oh, and yeah. we played, you know, equally men and women and the police did the bare minimum they had their one two, or two women token, and, all, yeah. and then stack the team, you know? <laughs> right and, and I just said, Hey, is it that important for you guys to win? Like we're, you know, we're out here to have fun. And so. <laughs> well, good for you. Thank you for standing up for <laughs> women on your team. No, yeah, I, we had really good women too. <laughs> it has been such a pleasure having you on our podcast today, Greg. And I want to thank you for joining us. Um, how can yeah. our, how can our listeners find out more about the Columbus partnership and maybe reach out to you if they need to? Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple websites that has all the information. The ColumbusPartnership.com is, uh, is where I'm housed. And then One Columbus, which is the economic development uh, portion of it, that's a separate entity, is ColumbusRegion.com. And if you go to the Columbus Partnership or even the CityofColumbus.gov, you can find information about our Smart Columbus Initiative. Perfect. And uh, my contact information is on that website. So if anybody wants to email me or call me, I'd be happy to happy to follow up. And I appreciate the opportunity. And Jason, it was a pleasure. And uh, I wouldn't have done this uh, candidly if it wasn't for you. And, and uh, you know, always enjoy helping a helping a fellow friend. Much appreciated. I greatly appreciate you coming on. Definitely. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for joining us. 